I want to talk to you today about conquering fear. Basically, Psalm 91 is a great psalm for dealing with fear or a whole lot of issues. Uh, it has no stated author, and people argue about who wrote it. Uh, personally, I think it's a psalm of Moses. Uh, scholars from way, way, way back before ever we were around, uh, a couple of three, four thousand years ago, uh, always believed that if a psalm was, an author was named, and we know that Moses wrote Psalm 90, Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations, you know the psalm. And the next one's not named, well, they attribute it to the author until there is another author stated. Makes sense. And another way of finding authors, they believe, is if there is a, a verse or a line or some words that are common to their uh, other writings that we know they authored, uh, we, can, we can track the author that way. And so Psalm 91 uh, in verse 14, it talks about God setting his love on. And that's also found in Deuteronomy 7.7. 7. So I think it's a Psalm of Moses. And uh, they believe it was written with Joshua and Caleb in mind. Uh, he wrote it to Israel, but specifically uh, wanting to encourage them <clears throat> because they followed God like none other. And you'll see, I think it makes sense as we go through it. But let me read it for you and let me just preach and teach on the way through. And, and there's, a, there's a couple of reasons for reading this this morning, but I really believe God wants to help people here today deal with fear and fear of whatever it binds you, it puts you in bondage, it wrecks your life, it takes away from your life, it doesn't, it's a horrible thing. It's probably at the, at the base, of the root cause of a whole lot of things can be traced back to fear. And so God wants to deal with it here today, I'm really, really sure about that. So Father, we, we just, uh, I just ask you before I even read that you will bless this and Lord, I'm praying you will speak into the heart of every person here today who has fear of anything because we want to see it gone. Lord, gone. Lord, I know you want to see it gone today and you're well able to do that. So Lord, I pray it today in the name of Jesus. Amen. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him I will trust. How good is that? How, how beautiful is that? Amongst all that goes on in the world around us, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. I challenge you to go home today and say perilous pestilence as fast as you can, as many times as you can. And you might be shocked at what comes out of your mouth on the way through. <laughs> That's a tongue twister, isn't it? Perilous pestilence. Uh, the New Living Translation says, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. It's a lot easier to say, isn't it? Makes sense. But, you know, the word pestilence there, I read it for, for a purpose because uh, it comes from the word moraine. It means a plague or an epidemic. And so uh, today we have 
coronavirus. Hadn't the world gone crazy? It was only a few years back when Corona was a Toyota car. Well, it was, wasn't it? Like, I don't know why they named it after a Toyota. It's funny they had a name and structure for the disease as soon as it came, as soon as it, like it, I've got more questions than answers. It seems very strange. It's, it's a perfect disease to kill elderly people. I just like to know where some of these things come from. I'm very suspicious. I'm sorry, but I am. But they say it's a pandemic, an epidemic is a plague in an area or in a country. These days people crisscross and fly all over the world in a week and so it's across the world, it's a pandemic, they say. But the only thing I know about it, it's causing a lot of fear. The only thing I know about climate change, beside it being a load of rubbish, is that it's causing a whole lot of fear. But they both are making big money for different people. When someone's making money out of something in the trillions, I get very, very, very suspicious and uh, extremely suspicious. But you put fear into the heart of people and you can control people. And I had the uh, one, two, three, fourth ago member of Benambra, our, our in the national, in the uh, in Canberra, <laughs> the member I won't name him, but he was a good guy, and he told me in the next big tax that will come, won't be an extension of the GST. He said it'll be an environment tax. They're already working on it. He said, if you can scare people to think the world's going to collapse around them and the planet's going to dissolve, they will happily pay all the tax that you want. I'm very suspicious. I'm sorry. I just say that this morning. All I know about it, God's not a God of fear. Uh, a man that I uh, often make comment, uh, well, I quote his quotes because I love them, is Rick uh, Godwin. He had one on Twitter just yesterday and said, fear and stupidity about the coronavirus is spreading much faster than the virus itself. I agree with him. So on the worst day so far, 110 people died in China. There was 46,000 people died of cancer in China on the same day. And there was 36,000 died of heart disease. And there was 20,000 died of the effects of diabetes on the day. And suicide was triple the number of people that died from the virus. So you've got to just look at things in, in the right light. You can panic and it's designed to do... Well, I'm not panicking, okay? Don't have it, not having it, don't want it. By his stripes I am healed. Amen. I just, uh, Psalm 91, great cure for it. I want to tell you that today. So let, let's read on in Psalm 91 because it has some really good keys to dealing with fear. Praise God. I can't help thinking about my dad and the corona. Do you remember that? <laughs> it was Bright red when he bought it. Bright red and shiny red. It was, you know, a beautiful colour. Red's a horrible colour for a car because it doesn't last too long in the sun. And it ended up a sort of bleached... 
there's no there's no there's no colour to uh, to describe it, Brian. It's a, and so some, after Mum had gone home, to, someone rear-ended him, and I thought, oh, finally, you know, it was so it looked so terrible. It was going good, it was good, but uh, he uh, he got rear-ended and they fixed it. They welded a new back of an old one on, and and he was getting angry because it was taking a lot of time. I'm a pensioner and I want my car back. He kept going down and telling the bloke and he said, when it's finished, I'll give it to you. Like, And so finally it was all welded up and they sprayed the back pin. It was just like brand new. And Dad went down and I said, Dad, leave the bloke alone. They're spraying the thing. Give him a couple of days and you can have it. I'm going down there today. I want my car back. And the bloke had had it. So he said, here's the keys, take it. And they pulled all the taping and the paper off the front bit. And so he drove it out brand new at the back and the front looked like about 25 year old, which it was. And it was just so funny. Like, and he never ever said anything about it. I would have been too embarrassed to drive it. <laughs> the two-tone corona. So could have called it the coronavirus. Yeah, I'm the really, really should have. Hey, Psalm 91. He shall cover you with his feathers and he will shelter you with his wings. And I, want, I just want you to read this. I want you to hear this. His truth, his truth will be your armour and protection. Do you get that today? His truth will be your armour and your protection. I can't read verse 4 without doing a right-hand turn and going to John's Gospel. John 8.31, who knows what those verses are, 8.32. I, I, read, I want to read them to you this morning. Because they, they, they go, I don't, I don't feel I can quote one without the other. It goes like this, verse 31 of John 8. Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, note that, who believed him, if you abide in my word... You are really my disciples. So they believed in him and they were faithful to what he said. The old J.B. Phillips uh, uh, translation says, yeah, faithful to what he, what he taught, what he said. If you abide in my word, you really are my disciples. And with that in mind, verse 32 says, and you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. See, it's wrong to leave one verse out without the other because it structures the next verse. So it's not just wanton and, oh, yeah, then you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. That's if you're in the word. That's if you understand. That's if you read it. That's if you follow Jesus. That's if you are a disciple of his. Really, really, then you know the truth and the truth will set you free. From what? From everything from everything that would hold anyone bondage, the truth of the, of the word will set you free, can set you free. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, uh, and certainly fear is number one. Amen? And God wants to set you free from that today. You know what the worst fear of all is? Some think it's the fear of death and the writer of Hebrews talks about that. People being held in bondage all their lifetime by fear of death. Not a fear of mine, I can tell you. But I reckon the worst fear there is, is fear of 
living life in fear of what you think people think about you. It's crazy. My mum lived like that, poor lady. You couldn't just go down the street. You can't go down like that. What will people think? I said, I don't care. Well, you can't be like that. Well, that's how I am. See you later. I'm going down. <laughs> Got holes in your jeans. I said, oh, well, next time I mightn't. <laughs> I don't care. I just do not care. And uh, it's a great way to be. Don't care. She was so beholden to that. God wants to set you free from fear, whatever that is today. Where did I get to before you distracted me? I'm blaming you. Well, everyone else blames someone else, don't they? So I blame you. Verse 5, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. There's our favourite word again, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge. See, this is why I reckon it's Moses and means, and, and was thinking of those two men, Joshua and Caleb. Because you've made the Lord, who is my refuge, that's Moses' refuge, because you've made him, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. What a great word. Amen? Man, why don't you just claim that over your household today? No disease on our property. Amen? Jesus took stripes for our healing. He took them before he ever went to the cross. You read the word. He was whipped and before he hung there and died and shed his blood, the blood he had left on the cross, he took stripes for our healing. Amen? And so, man, I'm not, I'm not having no, no virus. Just don't want to know about it. I believe verse 9, uh, nine and 10. Verse 9, uh, let me say, is a real key to conquering fear. I really do. Because it talks of making the Lord your dwelling place. And I think that's just a huge key for Christian living, whatever uh, goes on in life. I just think it's a, it's a, just really is a, a, a huge uh, clue. And uh, living close to the Lord, I think, is everything. And uh, so with the thought of making the Lord our dwelling place. It's not that I don't want to read the rest of Psalm 91, but probably with the thought of dealing with fear, I might go back to John's Gospel to chapter 14, if you were following and want to uh, uh, follow along with me, uh, you might like to turn to chapter 14 of John. Who knows John's Gospel chapter 14? It's a great chapter, isn't it? Starts with, in my father's house, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Hold, I go to prepare a place for you. I know he's preparing a place for me. I hope it's got a little shelter on the side and a roller door for the motorbike. That's what would be good, but he's preparing a mansion. Amen? Yeah, 
Praise God. I was down at Phillip Island last Saturday. Man, I love it down there for the motorbikes. We're all mates, everyone. No one has clean stuff on down there. We've all got holes in our jeans and, yeah, and all the rest. It's, it's just really good. Just, yeah. How long you been riding, mate? Can't work it out. Oh, me too. Yeah. The traffic conviction before I got my licence. Re yeah, really? What was that for? Yeah, we talked the talk down there. Walk the walk, yeah. Just make sure they're not looking when you try and get your leg over to go home. <laughs> Throw it up. <laughs> ah, praise God, it's good. John chapter 14. You keep distracting me this morning. Um, this is not so good. Verse 15, I think I should start. It's, it's, John's gospel's profound anyway, but look, you know, verse, let's start verse 15. Jesus speaking to those who were following him. And so we, we are following him. The word applies to us today. If you love me, keep my commandments. Simple. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. You see, Jesus has been saying, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And they're getting a bit chumpy about that, but he says, I'm going to give you another helper. I, I won't be here, but I will send someone that he may abide with you forever. So Jesus returned to the Father, at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit is in me today. My trust is in you today. Amen? He'll abide with us forever. As long as this life goes, we've got the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of Truth. Talking of truth, the spirit that is in us is not a spirit of fear, but of love, power, sound mind. Did we say that in Timothy? But uh, he is the spirit of truth. So what he reveals to us will always be truth. He can't lie. God can't lie. Whatever he shows you about yourself, you need to heed it because it will be the truth. Amen? Seriously, the doctor can say you've only got months to go. He told me I had five years to go, maybe seven at the best. But the Holy Spirit wasn't saying that to me. I just felt no witness about that at all. So I said, go away, I'm not coming back to see you. You know, like he will reveal the truth to you. And we need to heed that, we really do. He is the spirit of truth. The world cannot... Uh, um, whom the world cannot receive because it not, neither sees him nor knows him, but you receive him, but oh, sorry, nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. So you have a helper in you. Verse 19, a little while longer. And the world will see me no more. So you can imagine the disciples are sitting around and they're hearing this. You will see me no more. And the world doesn't see him anymore. 
the world's trying its best to forget about him and legislate and put him out of everything, they certainly don't see him anymore. And the more they do, the more full of, full of fear they get, if I may add. Uh, but the, the verse goes on to say, but you will see me. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. I love that. Amen? And we can live without fear, folks, I assure you that. Verse 20, at that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. How good is that? If you're fearful of anything today, just keep reading that. Just read it and read it and read it until you get it. Sometimes we've got to do that. Sometimes I say Pentecostal people sing bad stuff because they just sing and sing again. It's that we, we want to get it. Sometimes it doesn't... We don't get it, do we? No. My wife often says, you're not listening to me. I say, yes, I am. What did I say? Uh, well, you said... And half of it was wrong, so I wasn't listening. So I've got to hear it again till I get it. And... Uh, it's like that. We really, we, we've got to get it. And uh, I and you, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Praise God, isn't that so awesome today? It's not just living it's having God, the Holy Spirit, reveal God, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, reveal to us ongoing revelation of God. So folks, obey him, draw close. He wants to increasingly reveal himself to you. And, and, and the more he reveals himself to you, it's got to be that the more you understand his love and, the, and as, you know, Paul in Colossians wrote, the, the height, the width, the depth, the enormity of the love of God, the, the more we draw it close and the more he reveals himself, the more we get. You know, I don't mean, yeah, get. It's hard to comprehend. It's too, too enormous. But it, it, it's, it's, his love is absolutely incredible. But the more we get, uh, you know, the love of God in us, we understand that the more we can love others. Because if you don't know how to love, you don't know how to show love. And, and, it, and it gets very complicated, doesn't it? Like my old dad had no clue how to show love. He'd go and work for you. He'd work hard doing things to show it, but he could never say, I love you. Sometimes you need to hear the words, don't you? Husbands and wives and children, we need to know the love languages and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the more we understand the love of God, the more we are able to love others. Where once we might not have been able to do that, the more we know his love, the more we can love others. I'm pursuing the whole thing of love 
this morning because remember there's no fear in love. Absolutely no fear. So the, the thing of receiving his love and revelation of his love and growing in love and, and giving love to others, loving others in the way that we should is called in scripture uh, being perfected in love or love being perfected in us is how John calls it in his uh, first epistle. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, that's another right-hand turn if you need to know. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, in this way, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. So you read that. And that should temper our behaviour and the way we live really, really, really in a great way. So are we in this world? And it goes, you know, verse 18, but you understand that, don't you? If you're living and you're not even sure that you're saved or you've done something you just don't feel you're forgiven from or whatever... You have a fear of death. You have a fear of what comes. You fear in life because of that. But folks, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We stand perfect before him. When, you know. So John goes on then to say in verse 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. How many people around the world today are living in torment because they fear whatever it is that's causing the torment? It could be anything. There's people around the world today so insecure in their relationship thinking their husband or wife's going to leave them. They make irrational decisions. They make silly decisions. People do all sorts of things when fear is the motivating thing. Because we do that. We don't act soundly when we fear. We don't make decisions. I love Greg for that when uh, Greg came onto our board of our church and and uh, I just noticed very early on in here, Greg, and, oh, what if this breaks? How are we going to, you know, and Greg would say, oh, well, look, come on. That's not going to do that. If that does that, we can, it was just very logical. I think, oh, yeah, well, we don't have to worry about that yet. This is not going to happen. Like some people jump all their bridges before they even get to them and wonder why they do the splits badly and hurt themselves. Like it, it's seriously, um, yeah, there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears us, uh, he fears us. <clears throat> My glasses aren't working good this morning, are they? But he who fears, I'm reading two lines above, has not been made perfect in love. I love this. We love him because he first loved us. Verse, verse 18, New Living Testament uh, translation. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. 
So we just need to get as close to him as we can. And we just need to be drawing near and letting him reveal himself and his love into our lives. And we're going to have a great life. Amen? We really are. Can I just give you a couple of places in scripture? Maybe just one. This is, this is a great verse. I've now preached on this before. Some years back I can remember preaching on this here. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. This, this is a great verse, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. It's like Galatians 5, 16, isn't it? Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. He doesn't, he doesn't condemn us. Have you ever done that just by the way you go about what you do? I must admit I have. See, I told you not to do that. Now look what happened. Well, what's that? They know that, don't they? They want help. Not, you know. I remember walking on a job once and there was a jolly stick there and I trod on it and hit me in the face. You gotta watch that stick there, mate. It could hit you in the face. I thought, you stupid idiot, tell me before I get to the stick. That would have been better, wouldn't it? Like <laughs> you know what I mean, don't you? Like it but God doesn't say, Yeah, you're in a mess, eh? I told you that. <laughs> Leave you in it for a while. God is not like that. And he does not condemn us. He understands our humanity. He knows that we are <laughs> He does. He understands. He lived here as a human. He knows. Doesn't condemn us. But uh, this is what I want you to get. I'd, I'd love you to memorise this verse. Why don't I give you a memory verse this week? Who wants a memory verse? I'll give jelly beans to who can remember it next week. Get them out of my pocket. I'll put them in today so they're there for next week. <laughs> only joking. Only joking. I'm, I'm just... Yeah. I've got a Holy Ghost mad thing happening today, yeah. Verse 2, This I want you to get this. I really want you to get this. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Just that verse. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. See, you're, 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 you know, if you live close to him and you're sincere about following him, you're not the same as other people. You're not subject to the same laws of life like sin and death and suffering and pain and confusion and fear are all part of the world system. But see, we're not, we're not part of that. We come from our homes, a different place. We are different. We are new creations. We are totally different. The law that we are under is the law of freedom, isn't it? The law of the spirit of life. We're not under the law of sin and death anymore. Amen? We aren't. And you really need to get that. The law of the spirit of life is not sickness and plague and illness and, and shortage. What we, that's where we need to live. That verse was a favourite of John G. Lake. I don't know whether you've ever heard of him. 
I read occasionally of him and uh, he was a Canadian and uh, he must have been a good man because he's got the same middle name as me, Graham, there you go. So uh, John Graham Lake, John G. Lake and uh, he went to South Africa as a missionary. Uh, he pastored over there, he lived, I think he was there forever, I don't know. But they had a plague there, a bubonic plague, early last century, hundred and something years back, and, and people were dying in mass. And he was going around and he felt the only thing he could do was bury their dead for them because they weren't even able to cope with that. He, so he was pulling dead Christians out and he was praying for some and seeing them healed. And others that he, before they, he got there, they died. He was doing, trying to do his, you know, the people a favour and burying the dead and the authorities were, had all this stuff over him and covered up and they said, you'll die, you're crazy. Like, and a few weeks later he was still doing it and they said, how come you're not sick? He said, because I don't live under the same law as you. The Spirit of God lives in me. I live under the law of life and freedom in Jesus Christ. And that was his famous verse. That was his favourite, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Set me free from that. And uh, they, uh, he touched people and got all uh, from lungs all over him and they tested him. And uh, the bacteria died on his skin. It, it couldn't live. He said, the Spirit of God's in me. He said, what do you believe? If you believe that, man, I tell you what. Uh, and he did. He saw, he saw miracles happen and uh, never got sick. Never, never affected him any way at all. And I'm not telling you to be stupid today, but, man, I believe God. Amen? And we can hear what they say. And we can hear what the Word of God says. Read Psalm 91 all the way through. It's a great psalm. Seriously is. But um, if you, I don't want you to leave here today with fear in you, okay? I just don't want you to do that. So, uh, Greg, I'm going to hand back to you. Thank you.